Well, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We're looking at how the Holy Spirit used Peter to instruct us to add to our faith seven important things that are detailed here in 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 7. Let's go ahead and read our text here, 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. And here's the one for this morning, to brotherly kindness charity. This is the last one. Uh, we come to this final item on the list of things we need to be building into our lives as believers if we're going to have uh, the spiritual growth in our life the way that we should have, uh, then uh, we would will have these things uh, and add those uh, faithfully in our lives. Now, what what is charity? You know, it says to to brotherly kindness, and uh, we're to add charity. Well. Uh, Charity, this word translated in our Bible comes from the Greek word agape. In fact, you'll find it translated 86 times as love because that's what it means. It's talking about the type of love that God had for us, the kind of love that they just sang about. His life for mine. Great song to go with the message this morning. Praise the Lord. Uh, 27 times is mentioned as charity. In fact, uh, you'll see it mentioned over and over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, which is known as the love chapter. But it's called charity there. But it's talking about this agape love. Agape is the kind of love that the Lord loves us with. And charity or agape is really seeking the highest good for others. That's how you could define it. Seeking the highest good for for others, we we know that as benevolence. Uh, one of one of the things uh, as with our birthday gift for Jesus offerings, we're using it for these benevolence type of offerings to to help folks to show them the love of Jesus. Amen. And uh, we get a lot of these places that we give this birthday gift for Jesus campaign too, they will write us back and tell us that, uh, how thankful they are for the love of God being shown through our congregation to uh, the people that they minister to. Now, John chapter number 3, verse 16 to 17, we know that. Most of us know it by heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting love. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What a, what a blessing to have the love of God manifested to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and specifically the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world to, to give his life a ransom for our souls. We needed someone to take our place, and Jesus did come, and he took our place there on the cross of Calvary. God did not send him here to condemn the world, but he, he, he sent him as the avenue that the world might be saved through him. And what, what's amazing is, is this great love that Jesus had for the world. A lot of the world does not comprehend that love. 
they're not even going to really take advantage of that love. Then you think about eternal life is available to anyone, everyone. But not everybody's going to receive it, are they? They're not. But that doesn't make God's love any less. God provided the way. It's not on Him. It's on those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on them uh, to uh, that the, the love doesn't do, do anything for them. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, what, what love? We weren't lovely. None of us were. And when we, you take a look at uh, what we were before we came to know Christ, none of us were lovely, but God showed His love. He commended His love toward us and that even while we were in that wicked state, in the mind of God, God knew ahead of time how wicked we were going to be. He sent Christ to die for us anyway. That is some great love, is what that is. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 4. As we think about this charity or this love uh, that God has for us. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 9. And again, it reiterates what we've already mentioned in John 3.16 and Romans 5.8. It says in uh, 1 John 4 and verse number 9 here, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. See, his, again, His life for ours. <laughs> verse 10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And I, that propitiation is talking about the, uh, the blood upon the altar. He became the, that which satisfied God, that, that uh, sacrifice of uh, His perfect, precious blood on our behalf. It is the satisfaction that Christ uh, gave to the Father on our behalf in paying our sin debt. So, and it says in verse number 11 there, and this is important because this is what we're talking about today. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now, charity is the selfless love that Paul defined and expounded upon in 1 Corinthians 13. But I'm not going to turn over there. Okay, let me encourage you sometime today, read 1 Corinthians 13, and you'll understand the selfless nature of charity. An exposition of 1 Corinthians 13 is a whole other message in itself. Maybe a couple of messages uh, for me. Uh, it takes a few messages for me to get through some of these things because I, I, I try to dig deep and give you what, uh, what we need to get out of those passages of Scripture. Now, as we saw last week, Brotherly kindness focuses on our relationships within the family of God, our relationships one with another as children of God. Believers are to have brotherly love for each other, but it also mentions here, uh, verse number 11, if God so loved us, and how did he love us? He loved us with that charity, that agape love, that selfless love, that, that love that was focused on our good. If God so loved us with that love, then we ought also to love one another. Charity of this agape love means that we are to show it to all of mankind, including our brethren, as, 
but uh, especially to those that are lost. And I want to just concentrate this morning on our agape love or our charity for those who are lost. Because that is where Jesus first focused his love. Amen. If, if Jesus first focused his love on those that were lost, we ought to focus our love there as well. How can we sh show the unsaved charity? How can we show them the love of Christ, that uh, uh, seeking their highest good? Well, number one, I want you to understand we show the love of Christ by building bridges of friendship with those who are lost. Now, we know that Jesus is our example in this. He was known as a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, when Jesus quoted that in Luke 7, verse 37, he was using the words of the scribes and the Pharisees. That's how they described Jesus as a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, they meant it as a slam, but Jesus meant it with love. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. And Jesus didn't let that slam that the scribes and Pharisees tried to slam against him. He didn't let it affect his ministry to the uh, to to those that were publicans and sinners. Now his love and concern for the sinner was evident. You can't look at Jesus and not understand that his love was anything other than evident. He personifies what true love really is. Now, Jesus had a heart for the lost. It did not matter to him what a person's background or status might be. Jesus loved people, and he, and he was friendly to them. Just think of the different types of individuals that we have a record of Jesus reaching out to. I mean, they even include a demon-possessed man, yeah? A woman at the well who was living immorally. She was, had had five husbands and the one she was living with at that, that time was not even her husband. Yeah, uh, Zacchaeus, a crooked, thieving publican, a tax collector. Uh, Matthew became one of the disciples. Matthew or Levi, but both names apply to him. But he was also a publican. He was also a tax collector that uh, uh, the Lord Jesus saved. Think of Nicodemus. He was a well-respected teacher of the law. He needed God's love too, didn't he? He needed it just as well as the wicked ones we, we called, well, well, those are wicked sinners. Well, and truth be known, we all were wicked sinners. Amen. And uh, the Lord, thank, 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 I'm thankful that he loved us. We could go on with the types of folks that, that Jesus reached out to. We also need to try to establish friendships with those who are lost for the purpose of bringing them to Jesus. Uh, and understand that we're not to wallow with them in their sin. We're not to be participating in the sinful things that they participate in, but we are to try to develop a relationship with them that we might bring them to Jesus. Uh, we, we're not to isolate ourselves entirely from them. If we isolate ourselves from those who need Jesus, how in the world would we ever win them? You, you can't win somebody if you're isolated from them. Sometimes all it takes is for us to have a hearing ear and an understanding heart uh, to, to reach out to someone. So we show the love of Christ by building bridges of friendship with those who are lost. Number two, we, we show the love of Christ by regularly praying for the lost. 
Now, uh, Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6 says this, As they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. Talking about sowing tears, talking about you know a prayer. A huge factor in evangelism is this matter of prayer. Every believer needs to understand their responsibility to pray for the salvation of those that are lost. It's a responsibility. Uh, how much time do we actually spend praying for folks that don't know the Lord? When was the last time that we we have called any specific unsaved people before the Lord. Now, to pray to effectively pray for the lost, we must have a proper belief. You know, what we believe matters, doesn't it? It really does. Because what we believe is going to affect what we do. Right. Uh, do we really believe that Jesus meant it when he said that in order uh, to enter the kingdom of God, a person must be born again? Well, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ told Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was a very religious man. The story about him is in John chapter number 3, verses 3 through 7 there. Jesus was talking to him about uh, his, his uh, need. And uh, even though he was a religious man, even though he was an a, uh, outstanding Pharisee of the, his day, uh, nevertheless, he needed Jesus. He needed to be born again. He, he needed to, to, be, uh, to have that spiritual life that he uh, did not have. Do we really believe that Jesus was speaking the truth when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father but by me? It, well, if that's true, and it is, then folks need Jesus. Amen? They're not going to get saved any other way unless they understand their condition and understand what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them. I read one time where uh, W.C. Fields uh, was on his deathbed. A friend of his dropped by and found him reading the Bible. Surprised to see Fields actually reading the Bible, he couldn't help but ask what he was up to. And Fields uh, said he was looking for loopholes. Looking for loopholes, my friend. Looking for loopholes. Well, listen... There aren't any loopholes for our friends, not for our family members. Your, your family members are not going to get in on, the, on your coattails. You know, just because you're saved doesn't mean that they uh, are, are safe in the Lord. They need Jesus in their life just as much as you do. And nobody else who has not received the Lord Jesus Christ is going to make it to heaven. What Jesus has said is true. So to effectively pray for the lost, we must have a proper belief. We must believe what Jesus said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Another thing is to effectively pray for the lost, we must have a proper burden. A proper burden. Indifference is one of the greatest hindrances to prayer. One of the greatest hindrances. It's so easy to let our hearts get cold about the eternal destiny of others. And especially in these last days, this just came to mind, there's, there's a passage of Scripture over in the book of Matthew that talks about uh, in the end times there was going to get where folks, the, the love of many is going to wax cold. We, ought, we need to be careful about that. I mean, when you see the wickedness and all that's going on in this world, 
it just kind of makes you want to get in your house and lock the door and, and, and not go outside. But <laughs> that's not the way to live our life, is it? And neither is us not having a concern uh, for folks and, and their eternal destiny. So easy for us to let our hearts get cold about their e eternal destiny. There are too many believers who let everything in the world uh, keep them so busy that they neglect to spend time in prayer for the lost to be saved. Paul had a burden for lost. He did. He had a burden for lost people, especially his countrymen. In Romans 9 verse 2, he described the deep desire that he had to see his kinsmen saved, Israelites. He said, he said this, he said he had a great heaviness and continual sorrow in his heart. Is there anybody that you have a continual, uh, a great heaviness and continual sorrow because you want to see them uh, saved. In Romans 10 verse number 1, Paul went on to say, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That was his prayer. And you know, we need to, to have uh, such a love uh, that we pr pray for the lost, have that burden. We need to love the lost. We need to, to love them enough to pray for them. Uh, how should we pray? Well, we should pray that they will be exposed to a clear presentation of the gospel. Romans 10, verse 13 and 14 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? They need somebody telling them about Jesus. Amen. And so we should be uh, pray that uh, they will be exposed to a clear presentation of the gospel and ask the Lord, what's, the Lord, what part would you have me to do in giving clear presentation to those that need it? Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word hearing there is talking about not only hearing with the ears, but hearing with the heart and, and a come, coming to understanding. And that takes place when we share the gospel of Christ with folks. And, and uh, uh, the Holy Spirit takes that word of God and convicts them in their heart and life. In fact, uh, we should pray, number two, for the, whole, for, uh, for the Lord to use the Holy Spirit to convict them. John chapter number 16, verse number 8, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit when he would come, the Comforter. And he said, when he has come, he will repro <laughs> reprove, excuse me, <coughs> he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because this, the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that causes conviction in the heart. It shows an individual their need uh, for salvation. We should pray for the Lord to use the Holy Spirit to convict them. Listen, we've got the Holy Spirit living within. When we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit uses that. Uses that to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We should pray, number three, for those who minister the word. Paul specifically requested, he asked the Thessalonians, uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, he said, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. He wanted the word of the Lord to, to work through him mightily as he shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shared the word of God. 
We should pray for the Lord also to give us opportunities to spread the gospel. I, I, I think one of these days when we stand before the Lord uh, that we're going to see all of the all of the misspent opportunities flash before our eyes when we, we had an opportunity standing right before us to help somebody come to know the Lord uh, and uh, we didn't do it. You know, we've been given the commands in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, that went on to the Great Commission, and Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts 1 8, ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me, and both in Jerusalem and, and Judea and Samaria and uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, we should pray that we might make the most out of the opportunities that we do have to share the gospel. As you look back this year, did you make the most of the opportunities God gave you to share His love with others? We show the love of Christ by building bridges of friendship with those who were lost, by regularly praying for the lost. And that brings me to uh, the number three thing here is we show the love of Christ by telling the lost how to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If if not us, who? You know, right. we we think keep thinking with some let somebody else to do it. You know, it's not enough for us to befriend the lost. It's not enough for us to pray for the lost. Listen, we each need to be ready, willing, and able to speak to them about Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter number five, there's a story about the conversion of a demon possessed man. And after what Jesus had done for him, he wanted to be with Jesus. And listen to what Jesus said to him in verse number 19, Mark 5, 19. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. What happened? Well, he obeyed the Lord Jesus and it says that he told them what happened to him. And it says in verse 20, the result, all men marveled. Uh, the great change that took place. They knew what he was before. They knew he had been, he had been uh, controlled by uh, the demons. And he, they knew that a great change had taken place in his life. And they marveled at the great uh, change that the Lord took, uh, caused to come pass in his life. Look at John, John's Gospel, chapter number 4. John's Gospel, chapter number 4. And this is, of course, the story of the the woman at the well of Samaria and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ talking to her and as he talked to her, she came to know that he was the Messiah. He revealed himself to her in verse 25 as uh, the Messiah. Verse 26, excuse me. For verse 25, she talked about the Messiah and uh, the, how the Messiah was going to come. The Messiah who is called Christ. And, and when he's come, he'll tell us all things there in verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And uh, when we see down in verse number, um, look at verse number 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. 
Uh, and so we see down in verse number 39, says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more, look at it, many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, but we have heard uh, him ourselves, and know that he that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Well, that would have never take, taken place had she not uh, spoke up. Amen. She had to speak up and 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 bring folks to Jesus, and that's what she did. Let, let me ask, what has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done for you? If Jesus has saved you, tell those around you who need Jesus what great things He has done for you. I know a lot, uh, a lot of folks. Uh, they use the excuse, "Well, I'm not very articulate. I'm not. You know, I, I have a trouble uh, trying to speak to people." Okay, you know, we can tell people other things that happened to us. Why can't we tell them what Jesus did for us? And that's what that's what a witness is. We testify what, what Christ has done on our behalf. Believer, how is your love for those who are lost? Is it what it should be for someone like yourself who has been delivered from so great a death? Think about it. So we've been delivered from so great a death. Are you seeking the highest good for just yourself? That's what selfishness is all about. Or are you seeking the highest good for others? That's what charity, this, this love that God had for us, the love that Christ had for us, that's what it's all about. As believers, we need to realize that sometimes all that is needed to get some people's attention and to begin the process of pointing them to God is for us to be involved in acts or actions of selfless love, unsolicited kindness and undeserved help. Uh, be a beacon of light in your actions and in your words. The highest good that we can ever seek for someone who is lost is to help them come to know the Savior and be saved. That's the highest thing that you could do for them. Are you building bridges with those who are lost? Are you praying for the lost? Are you telling anyone about Jesus? I, I hope that you are. And if not, hope that you will. Amen. And if you're here today without Christ, we trust that you'll come to Christ. Come to understand the great love that He has for each of us. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to know the love of God. It's even uh, uh, a great blessing to share the love of God with others. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your precious word and we thank you for the great love that you loved us with. Lord, none of us are worthy. None of us were deserving. Uh, Lord, we, we know that uh, you loved us, loved us with so great a love that it, was, it just boggles our mind that you would send Christ to, to save us. But we're so thankful that you did. Help us to manifest that love that you uh, showed on the cross, that you showed in our own life. Help us to manifest that to others as believers. And Lord, if there's one here today that's not a believer, help them to come to know that love. 
Lord, those of us that are here, most I think most everybody professes to know Christ. And and help us, Lord, to to not only embrace that love that you've loved us with, but to to be a beacon of that love, to be a lighthouse to others, uh, showing them the way, uh, the truth, and the life uh, so that they can come to God through Him. Father, we just pray that You'd have Your will and way in this invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.